people pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I'm talking with Lawrence Langmer about his latest book, Hitchcock's Blondes. It's a look at the blonde actresses that worked with the master of suspense and the trials they underwent. The book is now available where finer books are sold. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Tell me a little bit about you and how you got involved in writing. I was in the Peace Corps in Nepal. I came back, I was a graduate student at the University of Oregon, and uh, I hated it. I took a course in magazine writing, just as a fluke, talked my way into George Wallace's plane. It was his first visit to the North, running as a press. Spent a week with him on the plane, submitted an article, just not, not knowing anybody or anything, to the New Republic. They printed it. That seemed like, wow, that was so much more exciting than studying what I was studying, which was international development. So I got a fellowship to the Columbia University School of Journalism. I got three job offers, Wall Street Journal, The Washington Post, and Newsweek. I superly chose Newsweek, which was a, dis- which was a disaster, and I was fired. Well, I started out, and I started writing, and uh, I wrote books. I had a, some very lean years, just terribly lean years. Yeah, I, just, I was persistent, and eventually began to work out. You run the gamut when it comes to subjects. Can you tell me how you choose what you're going to write about or does what you write about choose you? I'm stupid. A smart person would choose some genre and just keep like John Grisham and just keep doing the same, not the same books, not fair to him, but so so he builds an audience. I don't do that. My books are so different that each time I have to build a new audience. But hey, it's more exciting for me. It's more fun. It's like living all these different lives. I've written 19 books, and I feel I've lived, I haven't lived one life. I've lived 20 lives. Only one of mine is in my body. Why Hitchcock Blondes? How did this one come to you? That one was my editor's idea. And I looked into it, and I thought, this is going to be great. These women, look, Hitchcock, early on, realized women were the key to his success. In the theaters, most the audience was largely women. And even the men were often brought there by their wives or lovers, right? So he had to do, he had to do films that pleased women, and women buy most books. So a book about women, focused on women, is probably going to do pretty well. Plus, the women are fascinating, far more past fascinating. When I got in it, than I realized, people think, "Oh, I'm an actress. She's does a role on the on the film." Other than that, she's not so interesting. Not true. Each one of these women is fascinating. Since you deal with so many different subjects and so many different areas of interest, what's your way of doing your research? Because I imagine you have to go to different sources each time. Yeah, and I love that. I love the journey of, of exploring. And, and I say it's like, look, to me, it's like picking up cigarette butts, okay? Every little story, that's what it builds. You get enough cigarette butts and you put it in every detail. Tom Wolf is a master of this, choosing the right detail. So I worked very hard to get those details, and then it really begins to build. But you got to get those, and you got to do the research, and you got to be lucky. You got to be lucky in what you get. So, how did you go about researching Hitchcock's blondes? Look, 
most of the people I want to interview were dead, okay? I interviewed uh, Kim Novak and Eva Marie Saint, and they were both terrific. When I talked to Eva Marie Saint, I just, how do you reach her? Brilliant technique. I just found her phone number on the internet and called her, and she picked up the phone. Her publicist wasn't too happy I did that, but there's nothing illegal about that. She lives by her, she's 99 years old now, and she lives in an apartment on Wilshire Boulevard. And her daughter was quite upset that I was going to write that because she thought it would seem that I, she wasn't a good daughter because her mother was living by herself in an apartment. When I'm 99, if I'm living by myself in an apartment, it's not going to be because my daughter doesn't love me. It's because it's so much better to live by yourself, no? And Kim Novak struggled with mental disease her entire life, with manic depressive, polar, polar disease. And she was a good interview, but she has, she's had the courage to talk honestly about this. Yeah, it's not necessarily the most savory subject, the way that Hitchcock treated people and especially women. No, he didn't treat them very well. He didn't treat them well, very well at all. He wanted to run them through the gamut of pain. In the end, they come out okay. But in each film, that's what he wants to do. And the other thing that's interesting is he early on said, if he, if he didn't marry Alma, the wonderful wife who devoted herself to him for 50 years, I might have become a puff. His word for gay, right? And in his films, all the gay characters are evil. Every, every single one of them. You can't have one decent gay character. By 2023 standards, it's a little politically incorrect, but definitely at the time, that was the, the way you coded. Oh, yeah. Look, Lincoln wanted to send the blacks back to Africa. That wasn't exactly politically correct now, too, but was, that was the time, right? And he, then he turned around and saved the fl- slaves, the sl- freed the slaves. So what were the, some of the more interesting things that you found when you were putting together Hitchcock's plans? One thing I found particularly interesting was with Grace Kelly. Some people have accused me of writing too much about sex. I don't write too much about sex. It's these lives are full of sex. I was astounded. I wish there was as much sex in my life as it was in, the, is in their lives, but it's just amazing. Grace Kelly slept with everybody, okay? I mean, she slept, I mean, Hitchcock was in love with her. And he was so angry with her. She, slept, she even slept with the screenwriter. Even though nobody would sleep with, the, sleep with a screenwriter, but she slept with him. And, but in the end, and she became a great actress. And if you saw a country girl, she's magnificent in that. And if she had gone on, she would have been, she could have become one of the great actresses of the 20th century. But then this absolutely bizarre thing happens where she meets Prince Rainier. She's in Cannes, and he's late for their meeting. And she only spends a half hour with him. And they're starting him at correspondence. And six months later, he comes in. He's looking for a bride because if he doesn't get married and have male heir, Monaco is going to become a part of France. Okay. So he's, he wants to get married. And he comes to her house on Christmas Eve. And her parents, up to that point, were despised all the young men that she would bring to the house. But Prince Veneer, they were Irish Americans. And boy, to have Prince Veneer, it was something there. So in the late, in the evening, Prince Rainier and Grace go back in one of the back rooms and have sex. It's just this is the first time they're having any time together. And her parents are perfectly happy with that. And they, they don't even meet. They, they, they hardly meet. And three or four days later, she's going to marry the guy. He marries and she doesn't know what the hell she's doing. And she goes inside this palace and hardly ever leaves. And it seemed like for years, it was all about trying to get her out of retirement and back onto the silver screen. Yeah. And Rainier didn't want her to do that. They blamed the people. Monaco didn't want her to go. No, he wanted to have her in his grasp. I appreciate that you go all the way back to 
the earliest days with the lodger and 39 steps and just really take us through his whole career with all of these different blondes that he has. The lodger, if you go on prime video and plug in Hitchcock, there are over 40 of his films. Imagine over 40 if you can watch today for pleasure. And one of those films is the lodger, which is a silent film for 1927. And it is a magnificent film. When you watch it after a while, you don't even think that it's silent. Like you feel the people are talking and he uses these innovative shots and that, and the acting is just great. So it's a wonderful film. How do you know when you're doing your research that you have done enough? How do you say, I really need to stop doing this part and concentrate more on the writing and the editing? When things get redundant. Okay. When you're just hearing the same thing over and over again. And yeah, it must be tough with all of these older subjects. The only other person I can think of that's still around is Tippi Hedren, and I'm sure she's talked about this so much. She has, and she's not doing any more interviews. She's in her early 90s. That's one of the, the worst things that I have read, and just the experience of being attacked by all those birds over, would you say, five days she was doing that? Five days. Okay. It was terrible. But that's Hitchcock. He's such a perfectionist. To, to him, actors are just these statues that you have to move around the stage, right? And it is so hurtful. He didn't care. You did it for five days. And the fifth day, imagine taking these same shots. It's in the film where she goes upstairs and she opens the closet door and all the birds come out. It's maybe two minutes in the film, maximum, okay? So he films it for five days. And and at the fifth day, he still doesn't have what he wants. And they put the, they attach the some of the birds to her, to her wrists. And they attack her face, and they could have came very close to putting out her eyes. What was the most surprising thing that you discovered when you were putting this together? I guess not just surprising, but I have such appreciation of what this man did. I mean, he didn't think he was doing masterpieces. He worked in the commercial center of film, okay? And he, he never tried to do Lawrence of Arabia or on the waterfront. He never tried to do anything outside the genre that he did, which is this dark, ironic films that's what he knew that was his soul and that's what he did and he did it all the time he just one after the other and worked so hard i think it's the way that he wouldn't be depressed he always had to work so whatever film he was doing he was preparing the next one with the same detail when did you actually write the book i finished it maybe a year ago it takes a year to be published so were you doing this during the pandemic was this your one of your pandemic projects yeah this is my pandemic book. So the pandemic didn't bother me because what do I do? I'm by myself in the house working. So I did the same thing to the pandemic as other But I couldn't travel as much as I would have liked to. I had research. I was lucky to have researchers. What do you think has been the most research you've had to do for a project? I spent five years writing the Kennedy Women. And it's 900-page book. And it was the number two New York Times bestseller. If it were published now, that that long, I don't think it would have been that successful. So what's next for you? I'm sure you always have to have something like Hitchcock, something else brewing and that you're looking forward to. Yeah, I got I got being depressed too. Warhol's Muses, Andy Warhol. And I have the most amazing new research on this. In my life, in my life, I've never had the kind of research I have for this, which I think will change the way we view Andy Warhol. Oh, that's fantastic. I can't wait to read it. First, you got to read Hitchcock's Blondes. <laughs> I have. I wouldn't talk to you if I hadn't. I know. I know. 
Believe, believe me, some, some of your colleagues would, let me tell you. <laughs> the, the general public out there who's listening to us now needs to read Hitchcock's. Yes. <laughs> they sure do. They sure do. Yeah. Is there a good place for people to keep up with you and all of your work? I guess lamer.com is my website, L-E-A-M-E-R.com. That's it. Thank you so much for your time today. This was great talking with you. It was great fun. It wasn't like an interview. It was just like I gave that conversation. I hope we can do it again sometime. I'd love to talk to you about Warhol. Oh, I'll be there. Okay, thank you. All right. Thank you so much. You have a good rest of your day. Okay. Bye now.